Howdy, gang. Back at Country and Barbells. Joe Shamanic, Jeremy Day. Uh, Corona-cation. I'm on this now. Jeremy, we've been through so many emotions with this thing. I mean, in the beginning, we were kind of pissed. Uh, last week, we're kind of like, ah, I get it. <laughs> now I'm just like, I'm getting used to it. You know, I'm kind of settled into different training and um, spring cleaning the house. Uh, I've been talking to folks and to be quite honest, I'm almost guilty about what's going down, man. Um, you know, being outside of being a little stir crazy, which, you know, isn't a problem, uh, managing it in different ways. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> but you giggle. Why are you giggling on that? <laughs> because man, it's hard. It is hard. It's just like, I mean, we're stuck at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you got you do have to manage through it. And it's like, are we really getting stir crazy, or are we getting complacent and happy with what what's going on? I mean, I've gotten so much stuff done in my house; it is unbelievable. Yeah. Well, uh, I've been pretty productive around the house, but I've also been pretty done some interesting things. Uh, I smoked that turkey last week. Um, yeah, how'd that turn out, dude? It, it turned out really good. In fact, the wife afterward was like, "Man, you need to get out there and get another one." Um, nice. It's good. You know, I'll say, you know, you know, a lean wild turkey that the breast isn't as big. So the other thing she threw out there was like, man, we need to get a whole turkey breast and smoke it. Um, she's into it. Um, you know, the more I expose them to game meat, the, the, uh, we're falling into it. So now, now I'm getting a little pressure uh, to be a better hunter and I'm getting a little bit more antsy to get out there and do it. Uh, but it turned out really good. We I rubbed it nice and um, everyone gobbled it up. I will say this. I mean... Um, the, so I know Chris and, and you, uh, have mentioned that, you know, generally and a lot of folks, you know, they just kind of breast the bird out and, and, you know, there's this debate about whether like, uh, the legs and the thighs and the wings are worth, worth the effort. I will say that those cuts were a little tougher on the game, on the game, on the wild turkey than they are on, you know, your domestic turkey that you're going to get. And there's a bit more to work through tendon wise, but you know, I, I see this, the same thing I said to you last week about when folks give me feedback that, you know, elk's a little tougher. I say, no shit. <laughs> That's a wild animal. That's okay. It's, <laughs> it's supposed to be, you know, it's worth the effort, but you know, I I'm, you know, the, the little bit more gaminess of that dark meat, I really did like the flavor. So it's worth the effort. I'll say this, the next time I get a bird, I probably won't smoke the legs and the wings and the thighs, what I'll probably end up doing is uh, braising them somehow. I feel like probably with game, like a wild turkey, with all that tendon stuff, a slow a slow cook uh, preparation with wet heat is probably going to be better. So I'm, I'm going to probably do those in like a crock pot or some kind of braise in the oven where it's just low and slow with some moist stuff because, you know, kind of like stewing it, you break that down. All that tendon and collagen will probably come to a nice kind of like um i can see it doing more like an oxtail thing or kind of like if like a like a barbacoa preparation where you kind of uh, on some wet heat break that stuff down i don't know if the dry heat lended itself well is the best preparation um for those things because it was just hard to get to and uh it did toughen it up a bit but i'm definitely i'm definitely interested man the, the family was into it it was good um it, it was a good thing to do on an easter sunday to be honest with you yeah, no, I, you know, I usually always breast them out and leave and, and also take the legs and then just put them on the smoker 
for yep. um, 14 hours or so, 12 hours. And the legs always turn out phenomenal. Yeah. And They're a little chewy, but I mean, but it, I, I turn it into kind of jerky and then it's chewy either way. So, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think the better, better way to go. And what I, I really hope we get out in May um, and get turkey. Cause I do think though, if, you know, if you bra if you find a nice brazing liquid, I think that, um, that, that, that'll break down a lot nicer. Um, and the meat will come off more and the tendons will lend themselves to a thick stock, you know, kind of like a, you know, like, you know, probably for folks who are listening who haven't, you know, like a, like a pulled, like a pulled, like a short rib is how I would probably think that they might lend themselves to cooking more. So we'll see what happens. Um, anyone who's, uh, you know, what's your best preparation out there for, you know, if you want to utilize the whole critter and maybe experiment with things to do heck I saw. I saw the guys from Meat Eater, uh, Giannis recently put out a, a turkey foot stock where they kind of, he kept all his turkey feet and he put out a preparation where they, they skin the turkey feet and lend himself to a nice stock. So, you know, I think there's uses for it all. You know, I don't know that, I don't know that, that smoked turkey wings um, are worth the effort though. Uh, obviously they're worth the effort, but like probably better for more like of a stock or something where you're going to pull that meat apart and do like a, a taco or something. But, you know, to smoke a bird for a couple hours and then sit there and uh, chew it up for, you know, a couple morsels, um, you know, you, you got to sort some of that out. But um, it's super fun, man. It's It was a super, it was super rewarding to actually uh, enjoy a critter that, um, that I made the harvest with, with the self. It's a, again, it's a, it's just a cool feeling. It was a, Part of the positive of this coronavacation, uh, it was a it was a fun little moment for us. Yeah, like I said, man, it's it's been fun for us here too. Yeah, but um, well, sweet man. So you're flipping through some things. I know there's. <laughs> <laughs> can you hear me? I can, but you know, I'll say this: <laughs> along with being along with being productive um, on the on the smoker, we've been we've been productive in the house too, cleaning out closets, moving things around. You know, when we first moved here, uh, there was four months where Eliza had to stay back in Georgia. And not only did we get moved in, we had to clean, we had to get carpets cleaned and do all kinds of stuff. It was super hectic. And then finding a job, getting the kids going. There was this one closet downstairs where when the movers came, it was just kind of shove it all in there. And for literally like two and a half years, it, pretty much stayed like the shove it closet <laughs> and the wife and i actually cleaned it out yesterday and we came across some cool old stuff we found like this old thing of dvds we found like um we found some old booklets we found some cool games that the kids had gotten that we had forgotten for birthday presents and in fact we even found one uh we even found like one christmas present kind of a la chevy chase from the um from the uh, National Lampoon's Christmas movie. That was just, a, I guess, a present we had hidden and then found it again. And so with Mason's birthday coming around, we'll, we'll re-gift it to him. So that was cool. Nice. <laughs> That'll be fun for everybody to see what it is. But holy crap, I mean, being productive around the house, I, I, um, I, mossed, I mossed and fed the, the, the lawn. I've overseeded it. I've been cutting the grass. I'm gonna i'm in the midst of getting a power washer from a buddy to 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 get the fence and um concrete worked on but dang it man productive around the house and finding some hidden gems is um i mean it's going down brother I, same here man i i've got my michelle's been wanting me to get the yard dialed for four years since we lived here and i went on a i mean it, it is it's almost 100 percent now 
So when my garden area, I went to try to fire up the rototiller and it wouldn't work. So I had to take it in and get it fixed. So that's supposed to be done this week. And then I'll get my garden planted hopefully at the end of this week and got the fence up around it. And yeah, man, then I was cleaning up my garage and I have in my garage, I have this, um, it's probably five feet wide, seven foot tall. It's got all these shelves in there, but a lot of my hunting gear goes in there. Um, that I always store my clothes, my boots and, um, kind of like any of my backpacking stuff up in my closet, just so it keeps the same room temperature and it's not going up and down and mold and mice and all that other stuff. Oh, I gotcha. But, but like the hunting calls and, um, the grunt tubes, the decoys, and, um, I found something that I was super duper excited about, Joe. Okay. What'd you get, man? I found all my old hunting maps from for the last 23 years. <laughs> so in the last awesome. six years, I haven't used, or five five or six years, I haven't used maps. You know, it's like Onyx or a Google Maps, right? But with with Google Maps, you can't really mark it. So, but with these, I have found. Well, I have three. Three state max maps for one for Oregon, one for Idaho, and one for um, Washington. And in those three, I have all my secret spots for turkey, elk, and deer. And they're all color coordinated so that I know exactly what each one means. So I was thumbing through that and forgot about a bunch of areas. Nice. To, uh -huh. Yeah, no, it was pretty cool. And then I have, I don't know, another... 20 25 just area maps for like different regions like i have a couple here for murders creek over in oregon um i found one that oregon fish and wildlife used to send out when you um, got selected for a high cascade hunt maybe they still do it i don't know okay but it has the boundaries and all that stuff but i have on here marked all where we saw a bunch of big bucks and where my brother-in-law shot a bunch and then uh, kind of where we turkey hunt over there is the Barlow Ranger District, and nice. man, I've got I've got stuff for all Ochico National Forest for when I lived in Prineville and hunted all over there, and so it's almost like uh, it's almost like what's old is new again for you, dude. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> well, I'm... these spots I I completely forgot about. Well, it's funny as you go through that, it makes me think like even like um. Even like when I went back into my school recently to just go grab some books, you know, they're not letting us in the building. But, um, you know, I when I taught there, I took a bunch of stuff in, some stuff that I paged through. But um, as I was like recollecting all my old materials to bring home to get back to work, I was rediscovering, you know, different strength training manuals that were really productive for me in the past. So I'm like, oh, that old school method worked. Maybe it'll work again. You know what I mean? But it's funny how with like new innovation and you find new spots, you you kind of forget what always worked. So, I mean, uh, not only is that pretty rad, so now, like, what's old is new again, but, um, you know, what, what's old, what worked then, well, you know, do you think that those spots are still hot now? Oh, dude, for sure, man. Yeah, these they are really hot. And I have them marked down to the T. So this, you know, this is 20, so this is 17 years. Let's think about this a little bit. But... <laughs> okay. So we can get the math right. I, I so sense like a or like a. There's a real excitement in you. You you feel like you got something here. This is great. Oh, dude. Well, <laughs> this stuff is like 1995 to say 2015. Okay. When 
Google Maps was kind of there, but Onyx was not. So there's there's these spots that are marked in Idaho, Oregon, and Washington that if I wouldn't have marked them in there, would have com- probably completely forgot where they are. You know, I'd kind of know the generalization. Sure. But I've detailed them so much that I've actually drawn lines on how to the access points to get into these places off of main roads. So it wipes out a bunch of research. Like you and I were thinking about going to Oregon for an elk hunt this year. Well, the spot that I'm wanting to go to is 100% marked on here. And I've been on Google Maps trying to find it and tried to and Onyx to find the access point to get into this particular region. Now I have it. Oh, that's cool. So it, it yeah, and then and in all these my Oregon, Idaho, and um, Washington maps is like when I would talk to people, I'd go home and I'd mark these stuff down. You know, I'd write down little notes, but then I'd color code it so I could remember where the deer, the elk, and the turkey spots are. So there's a bunch of locations in here where I've heard they hold big bucks, big bulls, and a bunch of turkeys. And uh, I've never even gone there. Nice. Well, cool. So, yeah. Well, again, what's old is new again. And uh, it'd, be, it'd be cool to wake up some of those old spots and uh, get going. But it also makes me think, like, too, with all with all of this, like, you know, um, coronacation, corona craziness, whatever you want to call it, however you want to label it. But, you know, it is an interesting reminder that, like, all of this stuff that we used to think was important or all this stuff that we've come to rely on or, you know, it's just a – if anything, it's a reminder that, you know, life is fragile and life can change and circumstances are different. So it's like for, for a new hunter like me who I've never, I didn't have to learn map skills to be perfectly honest. And I, to be honest, it's a big hole in my game where I'm pretty reliant on, on X to find where I am and to be happy and to make sure, you know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty cool out there as long as I have battery and juice in my phone. Right. And I can see where I'm at on that on X map. But you know, I would probably have a level of freaking out if, for whatever reason, if the phone broke or the battery died or there was some weird thing that happened with the Onyx map, and you can't discount that it wouldn't happen because I'm super reliant on that. And and I don't know, I don't know what kind of maps. I mean, I always have a paper map with me because it's important to have. But to be honest, I. How the hell do you know where you are on a paper map? So, I, I, do you know what I'm saying? Like, it, yeah, no, like, I do. So, like, it, it's it's a thought to, you know, I'm I'm interested in this for a couple of reasons. One, it's cool to rediscover old things, but I'm like, oh, it will be cool to go out there and look at the paper map. And I've never done this to have the paper map and have the Onyx map and then try to develop a frame of reference to know where I am on that paper map and kind of work backwards from that because. You know, it's you, you probably should have some base skills like that to, to be super functional. Because if you're relying on technology, if anything, that this is proven that you shouldn't be because it could be taken away at any moment. It could be taken away. And if you don't know how to understand it, you're going to get lost. I guarantee it. Oh, yeah. What is that? Like there's that old Clueless show or where, you know, the girl's reading the map. She's got... She's got the the letters in the wrong direction. I don't know. You know, you got to hold the damn paper right, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so cool, man. So let, let me let me ask you this. So, when you first got these maps and you're working through them, just to kind of go down memory road with you on this, was 
were were you scouting with those maps beforehand, or is it a matter of get out in the woods and figure it out with the map? Because right now, like e scouting's a big deal, and you look at topography and you can look at pictures and based off what Google Maps is showing you in different layers, you could see where old burns were a couple of years ago. But you know, a lot of that stuff's not on those paper maps. So, like, how how do you scout the paper map and, and the topography, or, or do you just get out there and hope for the best and then mark? Well, both? what I would do is, is I'd get like, you know, the, um, I'm going to screw this up, but, um, it's that Idaho Atlas and Gaz Gazetteer. Is that how you say it? I don't know. G A Z E T T E E R Gazetteer. Oh, however the hell you say it. <laughs> but anyway, I'd get an Idaho Atlas an Oregon Atlas and a Washington Atlas. And so like in Oregon on the Atlas, I would just, um, Look at a certain area. You know, these ones have... Oh, that word you're trying to say is gazette, sir. Gazette. They're gazetter? The R is is silent. Oh, it is? Yes. Well, why in the hell they put it there if it's silent? I don't know. I I believe that. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you. Yes, sir. I've never been paid because I was a good scholar. Oh, I hear you. Don't worry about that, brother. Um, Anyway, the ones that that I get will be have the... Um, like my Washington one and my Oregon one are the road and act, um, recreation atlases. So it'll show you all the recreational facilities. It'll show you the boundaries for all the wild game units. And anyway, I'll find, I would find a location on there where I wanted to go and then I would zero it in and then I'd look at the road systems and then I'd study the topography and all that stuff. Um, and then what I would do is then go get a map for, a smaller map for that region because these gazettes, you know, they're what, 12 inches by 16 inches, sure, 14 by 16 inches. I mean, they're pretty big, so you're not going to pack those in the woods. So I get a map for a local area or I would um, go in and just print that section off on a printer and then mark it all out. And sometimes I'd have three or four or five or six pages of prints and, um, and then I'd get it, and then I'd go out to the woods and then check it out. And I'd bring the, the atlas and then, you know, mark it with a pen on how to get in there. Oh, there you go. And then scout it out and hunt it. But, um, but yeah, no, it's just kind of the same like we've talked in, in previous podcasts about scouting. I would go out there and check to make sure there's access roads and this and that because just because the map says that there's a road doesn't mean there's a road i sure. mean you, you know you can reflect back on my bear crawling out of the bottom of that river drainage in hills canyons because we thought there was a road down there and there wasn't and then we had to go back up so i'll i would always drive out take a look see if there's access and if there wasn't you know i'd walk out several miles and check it out and but yeah, these, and then these all have them marked where I've seen elk, where I've seen deer, where I've seen turkey and, um, yeah. No, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's pretty rad. So you think you'll put, so, so as you, as you came across these old, these old maps and, and these things that you're going through, uh, uh, memories of old hunts, did they conjure up any good memories? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, the the big hunt, the, the, my main one was the first time I ever got lost in the woods. Did I tell this story before? Yeah, I think this when is. We were out scouting for turkeys. Yeah, and you, you had to, you didn't you use a fence line to get yeah, out? I have told that one. 
do do we know you know things change right um are these oregon's old school spots still public land spots or, or are they uh special draw units or or private land because you know things things can change boundary right wise or even rule rule wise as we found out with this uh, oregon bear hunt that we you know luckily didn't put tags in forks it got canceled anyway Yeah, so when I hunted Oregon a lot, I always hunted um, back in the day more of the wilderness area. So yeah, it's all it's all public land. Okay. Um, and the reason why I'd hunt those those units, you know, the wilderness units, is because not too many people were wanting to go inside of those units. Now, you know, with backpacking in is more popular, some more people are back in those units now. But um, back then. People really weren't doing that. That's where I had to get into to get away from people. So, um, but, but yeah, I've I've got all the honey holes marked, bro. Okay, sweet. So we can get right in there. <laughs> no, I'm I'm excited for that. You know, and the the whole back. And the other thing, I, I think. Go ahead. Oh no, you're good. That's what I'm saying. You're, sorry, guys, we're having a little technical difficulties or some sort of a little delay um, in the conversation. Uh, probably everybody is in their mother is zooming or streaming phone calls right now on a Sunday, catching up with family. But uh, no, you were uh, you were getting into the honey holes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I've got all these honey holes marked in these wilderness units, and and I'm sure people know exactly where they're at too. But for me, it's just cool because. I have this, like you were just talking about earlier, if anything were to ever happen to our devices where I have a bunch of other stuff marked, it's all marked right here, so I'll never forget it. It'll, I'll, I'll always have it. No, I think that that is, um, that's awesome. And, and what it makes me also think, too, like, you know, when you hear guys talk about success in the woods, like, for example, you know, I did... You know, with all this Corona stuff, it seems like people are like putting more webinar stuff out. I sat on a uh, Phelps, did a cool webinar um, two weeks ago, and I sat in on it um, with Elk Nut. But he was just talking about, you know, one of the things with public land hunting or pressure hunting or whatnot, or just to up your success rate is like to be ha- not only have plan A and B, but to have plan C, D, and E. Right. So like if, if we're going to be hunting somewhere, it's cool to just have more options where if we get to a pressured spot and maybe we go somewhere else, you know what I mean? And, um, I I think from that standpoint, it's just valuable to have more options. Yeah, I agree. And, and you hunting with me for the last couple of years, you know, I try to pick places where there's not a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, the place that we're going this year, which is a spot we I took you your first year. There's there's not a lot of hunters that get in the back country where we're going. Last year we ran into a lot of hunters, but we didn't run into a lot of hunters in areas where there was no roads. That's so, right. I'm I'm very diligent on looking for those those locations, watching people, looking at the traffic, looking at access points, and because um, at the end of the day. I bet you it's still of all the hunters, there's probably only two to maybe five percent of the guys that are still willing to walk way back in there. I mean, you get on Instagram and it's everybody and their mother, but that's a truly a small percentage of the hunters in the United States that actually do that. Yeah, and it's still giant tracks of area, right? I mean, 
there's still a lot of folks. Yeah. I mean, excuse me, there's still a lot of land to be had, but, um, no, man, I, th- I think it's, I think it's pretty neat. Um, uh, I think it's a pretty good use of your time. I think it's, um, I think it's pretty neat to just, uh, to rediscover old stuff, you know, and, um, you know, it makes me even think about being a kid and, you know, cleaning out a closet and coming across like an old sack of pictures and stuff, you know, like, it's cool. This stuff's there. And and to some degree, I just don't see that happening in like a digital standpoint. Like you imagine, like I found old phones that I know have used to have old pictures on them, but when the phone's dead and broken, you you know, I don't know how to access that hard drive. It's just not as, it's not as romantic as like finding like old pieces of, you know, finding old unused technology isn't as fun as finding like old books and old papers and old maps, especially when you have some cool notes like that written on it. So I think that's, I think that's pretty cool, man. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. You can tell I'm pretty stoked about it. No, I I mean it, it probably you know gets you more jazzed up to get out there in the fall. You know what I mean? I just hope it just uh, hope it happens, man. I mean this thing keeps getting extended and extended and month to month. I'm just I'm sitting here on pins and needles waiting for May fourth or the week before May fourth to just see what they're gonna do here because. Um, you know, at least from a Western standpoint, it seems that like California, Oregon, and Washington have decided they're all going to do the same thing. So, yeah, um, I'm super interested to see um, how that turns out. Um, I'll ask you one question. We asked, we did this with Jason uh, when he jumped on the show, and uh, Jason Phelps. You guys should go check that one out. Um, right now, he's kind of in limbo about what they're going to do with his bear tag that it took him ten years to get. Um, but uh, do you think do you think that there's any chance that this could screw up? Um, you know, because archery in Oregon starts uh, in August. It's one of the earlier seasons, um, and one of the reasons I was interested in doing Oregon is because it is earlier. You know, it's August. It's it's a chance for me to get a hunt in before school without worrying about taking time off. Um, do you think there's any chance that uh, this could go all the way that far? I don't think so, personally. Yeah, I mean we're I mean we're at the peak and we're going down now, so the numbers are starting to head down. Yeah, and, that- and I and I think it's again that small percentage of people that get sick with it, and then there's still several people, a high percentage that have gotten it and haven't gotten sick. So and now are immune to it, right? I hope. Yeah, I mean. It's tough to say. It is tough to say. I'm just, I'm just hoping. You know, at what point, at what point do you look at lawmakers and policymakers and say you've gone too far with this? Too, you know. So I'd, I'd be wondering to see what happens at the next step of this, and and as because as number, especially here on the West Coast, like Washington in particular, because we started out pretty high, and we've we've seemed to have. we seem to have fallen off, right, in in a good way, and we're definitely not seeing what happened in Italy happen here, and we're definitely not even seeing what's happening in New York happen here in terms of cases going up and stuff. So, but you also see that on the other side, there are some people getting fed up with it. I mean, some folks getting together and holding protests and asking some real questions. So, I think at the end of the day, I guess the question I'm getting at is like, as we kind of will walk away from this situation and and they, they start to let things happen again, like I wonder how they're going to gauge if the um, if the interventions to keep us safe were worth it. If that makes any sense, because 
you know, I don't know anyone who's really gotten it or personally knowing anyone who's died of it or even come close to. I mean, do you know anyone on a personal level that's really had to deal with this? Yeah, I met a guy um, last week that had it. He was one of the um, first guys here in Gig Harbor, and he was perfectly fine. He was holding his two-year-old daughter, and yeah, he just said he was just sick for a week or week and a half or whatever it was, and he pushed through it and he was done. I mean, he said it, he didn't. It wasn't that bad. I mean, I personally don't know what the one hundred percent of the hype is, except for they don't have a cure for it, and I think that's the fear, right? Because you look at some of the other pandemics that happened in the past and even in the past 10 years i can't remember i think it was 2009 150,000 people died yeah of in the united states alone hmm. of I, th I think it was the swine flu or it was it was one other one that was pretty bad but i mean i think that's the biggest thing is just how fast how rat how quick it spread and um and and overloading the hospitals to a point where you know, nobody else can do anything like go there. You can't go for a checkup. You can't go. Some people's surgeries are getting canceled. I mean, sure. it's because they're they're putting such lockdown because, you know, those kinds of people that are sick and they're in there are more susceptible of, you know, future harm of, you know, death or whatever. I mean, I'm trying to figure out a politically correct word that's not harsh, but um, but I think that's the thing. And, you know, with our neighboring states. I think if if Washington does like our neighboring states, which is Idaho and Oregon, is that they're allowing people to go hunting, but they're not allowing any out-of-state hunters to come in. And hmm. I think it, that would be the worst-case scenario for late season or for um, early season archery hunt. Is that maybe we can't go to Oregon, but just, I think Washington will be opened up, and then I mean, then we just have to suck it up and then pray for next year to go. And that's it. Yeah, it'll be interesting, man. Um, you know, and I guess the big question that I'm still going to – I'm the big question is this thing. I mean, I guess I – I mean, for me, I'm kind of trying to look at this from a positive standpoint and thinking we have to be done with this soon, right? Like, we, this can't – this can't go on, for me, hopefully, through summer. And hopefully, definitely won't go through – um through the fall, but I'm still just wondering, like, if, like, if it's, hopefully these interventions are going to be worth it, too, because I think at the, I'm still wondering if the impact of these, what the, is the longer lasting question going to be, did we save enough lives, or did we ruin enough lot, did we ruin too many lives with these kind of crazy interventions? Does that make sense? Absolutely, and I think that's a great point, because, yeah. There's a lot of businesses that have, are folding because they're having. I mean, it's, it's you don't have cash flow coming in. How are you going to pay bills? How and and it takes you know three to six months for cash flow to catch up. So now they're not. They don't have any cash flow coming in. Yep. And and now then they're going to get back into business and it's going to take a while for the receivables and all that other stuff to come in to get that cash flow back up and going. I mean, it it's pretty scary. Even with me being in manufacturing. I mean, and and especially being out of Spain is where our manufacturing facilities are. They they were shut down for two weeks, and then um, now we're back up and running. But in the U.S., we're lagging behind now because um, from Spain because Spain had it 
the numbers climbed a lot quicker. So in the U.S., it's having a, a lot bigger impact, and we're seeing about 50% reduction in um, purchases on our equipment. Yeah, so that that that's that's the big question for me, and I'm I'm kind of um, waiting with, and almost only time will tell. And it's easy to say that like, hey, you need to bob and weave and get it going, and and you know, innovate and try new things. And I guess this is whether it's like the industrial revolution, you know, or it's you know technology automating services, or a virus, you know, kind of changing changing the workforce and and changing uh, supply and demand. Like it's just. You know, even going back to that initial conversation of you finding the maps and me discussing on X, like there needs to be like a base level of skills and resiliency that you need to have to be self-reliant, I guess, with all of this. And maybe that's like the big lesson in all of this Corona stuff. Like, you know, if if it really gets crazy, uh, could we handle it? And um, the funny part about it is I think this Corona thing is kind of the settings on really easy you know, we still had electricity, we still had running water. Um, this really wasn't a, a super aggressive, it didn't seem at least to be something that was killing a ton of people. Um, and from all, from all measures, it would see, from all actual measures, not models, it would seem like we really lucked out on this one and, and we're under, under the curve. So I'm, I'm, I, I don't know. I don't. I think. Th- I think we're through the bad part of this thing, but I don't know that we're through. Um, I don't know if we're through the residual effects from the interventions. So I'm, I'm still super interested in, in how that unfolds and plays out. Um, but that that said, from a recreational standpoint, I'm hoping we can get out in the woods sooner rather than later, brother. Yeah, me too, man. Because I am itching. I was just telling my wife Michelle, I was like, man, I just. You know, this time of the year, I just feel it like I, I need to be in the woods. I, yeah. And and I thought, well, you know, you start thinking about history and about when it's time for back in the day when they didn't have, you know, they didn't really look at calendars and all that stuff. You had this internal clock that tells you, hey, it's time for you to it's go time for this. It's go time for this kind of gathering sure, for hunting and all that other stuff. And those instincts are pretty interesting if you kind of look at it or dissected a little further yeah. and to go back on like, you know, people are freaking out now because they're not working and not doing that thing. Imagine if they lose their, their phones oh, or yeah. all their devices or any of that kind of stuff, how much utter chaos there will be. I mean, it's, it's pretty fascinating and pretty interesting once you look at it in the big picture. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, we're we're this one's this one happened on the easy button, you know what I mean? Um and uh the easy setting, I guess. You know, and and that's that's saying it that's saying it selfishly from my perspective, you know what I mean? But but um you know, what happens if if it is a if it is a thing that's electricity goes down, internet's not accessible, you know, um some things like that, you know. The, the big thing here, it seems like it was a toilet paper crisis, and that's not to that's not to diminish anybody who did lose lose a loved one in this. But to be honest, still to some degree, it seems like the people the people who did get sick and die from this uh, this novel virus that kind of crossed our borders were were old people who were out of shape. You know, what I mean, yeah. like people who had underlying factors, and you know that might sound insensitive, but. I was kind of saying in the beginning that I would really get worried when guys like me started dropping dead really quickly, and it didn't happen. 
Um, and I don't see it happening. You know what I mean? So it, it still says to me, like, what I hope people maybe, if anything, too, the other change from this is that you do pay attention to um, general health factors because those still seem to be the biggest indicators of if you're happy and healthy and can survive these things. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, hopefully folks are still training, getting outside, working out, finding a way to be active. Um, and there's lots of ways to do that. And I'm just hoping sooner rather than later, Jeremy, one of those ways that we can be active is to get back out in the woods. Cause, uh, you know, I got a buddy who's in New York actually. And, you know, you know how Washington closed all the fishing seasons and stuff. Yeah. My buddy's sending me all these pictures of him out there catching rainbow trout up in, up in upstate New York. So I was super Super happy for him, but super jealous that he's been able to get out in the woods. And, um, you know, we had our, our son's kind of youth hunts canceled and some things like that. So uh, crossing our fingers for May, man. Do you think we'll get yeah. our, you think we'll get our May turkey hunts in and be able to try out some of these spots you found? Dude, I hope so, man. Um, <laughs> I, I'm very hopeful. I think at worst case scenario, after May 4th, there might still be a stay at home, stay healthy. Like, But the, they're going to um, lift a little bit of the... You know, I think I read an article that eight or ten people um, gatherings. There are no more than ten people gatherings and stuff. And if they do that, then they'll op- they'll open back the hunting and stuff. So we can have house parties again. Heck yeah, baby! <laughs> That's right. I hope so. I want to show off my new yard. I know, and and maybe sit around a campfire with your friends. I mean, goodness gracious, you know, not to be crazy. Uh, this Saturday, I had to get out in the woods, and you know, I, I love my wife, love my kids, I love cleaning out closets, I love doing yard work, I love smoking things on 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 my new smoker. You know, that's all great, but dang it, I had to get outside uh, and just uh, do something else. So I I scheduled a hike with a buddy around here, and we just hiked Sequalichu. Um, and we decided it, we did it kind of impromptu cause this Saturday was kind of rainy. It was kind of a dreary day. So I, I just text him real yeah, quick. Yeah. I text him real quick. I'm like, yo man, um, we need to go walk Sequalichu. Let's go hike it. No one will be out there. And we were right. Uh, we, we kept our distance. We got out there. I brought, um, I brought a little six pack and, uh, we hiked down to Sequalichu and sat on a log and just were watching the seals and the porpoises and, uh, we we drank a couple IPAs and then walked out of there. But it, it was nice to be able to get a nice. little. It was nice to be able to get a little bit of normalcy, where it was just like you know to get some guy time and to get to get out of the house and to get out of the conversations that I'm just having with my wife. Like not that I don't love her, but you know, being three weeks into this, I kind of know what she's gonna say. You know, and it's just like, <laughs> yeah, you know, how much more can we do and talk about? So it was cool to, it was cool to get out finally. So I'm getting, getting through getting stir crazy. Um, and I think that that was a better thing. I think that was more productive for me than what I did last Saturday when I decided to play dress up. So, um, you know, <laughs> yeah, that was weird. Yeah, it no, was weird. It. <laughs> no, it was weird. Jeremy, no, I, <laughs> I put on the short shorts and I shaved, a, I shaved some sideburns into my face and I put on the aviators and just, I had a bit of a, uh, wires gone crazy moment. You know, um, I got a buddy now who saw me do that and he's, he's, he's goating me into going all taxi driver and to shave a mohawk into my face. So, uh, uh, mohawk. Nice. So, so we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens moving forward, but I'm hoping, to, uh, I'm hoping to put your old, your old new spots to the test sooner rather than later, sir. Me too, man. And I want to, I'm excited to get out there and, and have fun and, you know, sitting here at home and not traveling. Yeah. Guess what happened to me? Uh, you feel great and you're not sick? I don't know. I feel great, but I, more <laughs> importantly, I broke 
the 200 mark. I my weight I dropped down to 199. Oh, fired up. So from, two, from 210. Fired and up. It, and it's not that I've I've it's just I lost a lot of the the fat and um the non-muscle, I guess we should say. Well, no, so. that's been a big thing too. Like, you know, you can look at this as a time, oh, ho-hum, I can't go outside, I'm going to eat Ben and Jerry's. Or you could, hey, you know what, this is a time for self-improvement. And it seems like if if you're losing weight and getting healthier and, and cleaning up the yard, uh, sounds like you're on the, it sounds like you're on the right path, sir. Yeah, for sure. And then, you know, I don't have to, I'm not eating out all the time either. So that, yeah, I mean, it's right. just huge. Fired up. It's been it's been great, and I feel I feel like I'm in the best shape of my life. Thanks to you and you know the podcast and and, and doing this once a week has just helped me with my goal setting and and I'm I'm on the path. Cool. My my goal is to get to 195. I feel good right there, but um, if I get below that, then I look pretty scrawny. <laughs> you know, no one wants to look emaciated, right? We don't yeah. want to worry about you. Um, but, uh, no, I think it's awesome and that's cool. And, and that's, again, I think one of the big reasons I like to do podcasts like this is just holds you accountable. You know, it's one thing to train folks and, um, you know, say things, but it's another thing to actually put stuff out there in the universe for, you know, for everyone to hold you accountable and it, and it does work, you know what I mean? So, um, absolutely. I think it's awesome to put that out there. Um, you know, for, you know, I've, from that same standpoint, even like, going on hunts and planning them with you in that same regard, just it's putting another level of practice onto my, uh, my bow work, you know, that first year that I got into it without much accountability, you know, I was tinkering around, I got some lessons, but the the self-practice wasn't enough, but, you know, talking about planning these hunts with you and, uh, you know, talking about what we want to do and setting goals and trying to get on animals, like it, it makes you, want to practice shooting too. So, um, get out there folks and get an accountability partner somehow. And even if you can't, even if you can't interact with them personally and, um, still get out in the woods, you can still, you know, get your hunting buddies and just send them a text, send them a call, shoot them an email, set up a zoom chat and, um, make sure you guys are holding your, your, yourselves accountable to, to your skill set. So when they finally do say out here in the West, we can get out in the woods, you can get out in the woods and, and bag your own critter. Yeah. And it's uh, it's too easy to do because it's all just a touch away. Well, that's it, and it's a choice too, right? It's one thing to say yeah. it, but you just have to make the choice to do it. So, um, well, sweet guys, well, sweet Jeremy, it's always fun to chat this out, and I'm glad you found those maps. I'm, I'm excited to dive into them. Yeah, it's cool. I can't wait to show you and kind of just uh, break it down, and then uh, now I got to find a new secret spot to where. <laughs> they're accessible yeah i think the best way to find that secret so it's cool to have the maps but you know it's the best the best thing is to just get boots on the ground and, and try right i mean yeah exactly um i was talking to um i'll tell you what's cool uh i was talking to a buddy and i i don't want to i won't blow his spot up yet but somebody that we've had an interview with in the in recently is um i've kind of pushed him into getting his own podcast started and it looks like he's going to really do it. He's even sent me some sample episodes and some stuff like that. But my whole message to this feller as he's planning his podcast and trying to get it launched is, I'm like, hey, man, sometimes done is better than perfect. So just get out there and try it. So aside from like getting on X and e-scouting and finding your old maps and speculating on what to do, like eventually you have to get past planning and you just got to do it. You know what right. I mean? And I think um, I think where I'm guilty is to just get out there and do it too often without enough planning, but I think the key is to find that mix. So uh, um, I think between your old maps 
and uh, our uh, willingness to get out there and try stuff. I think uh, whenever the season does break, I th- I'm really excited for this fall. I think some, co- I think some, I think some cool stuff's going to go down. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. Cool, man. Well, fire it up, gang. This is a, uh, this is a. Uh, dang, Jeremy, how many of these have we done? I think this is 61 or 62. Uh, yeah, I, th- I don't know, man. I. <laughs> I lost count after 30. Yeah, we're over a year on it, and um, it's a great process. It's a fun thing to do in, uh, terms, in terms of learning and interacting with uh, folks who are industry leaders in, in the hunting and training game and also just holding ourselves accountable. It's, it's still a worthwhile project, man, so I appreciate you staying along with it. Oh, yeah, man. You too, brother. Cool. Well, folks, you too can stay along with the project. Um, review, like, interact with the show any way you can. We're pretty active on Instagram at Backcountry and Barbells. We always would appreciate your reviews. Tap that fifth star from the right. That would be pretty rad. And um, uh, you know, we do have some uh, we do have some folks who interact with us and, and tag us in pictures and some things like that. And um, uh, the, the community grows and interacts. And if you guys are looking for some training options go on over to backcountryandbarbells.com and check out base camp guys uh it's just a interesting um it's a great way there's some body weight options there's some how do you use some implements a lot of the training in that has to deal with kettlebells but uh you know kettlebells you could sub in any awkward thing that you can carry right now in fact um there's one feller you know, we, we were talking with, he made a slam ball out of uh, an old basketball that he duct taped together. So there's some options there for you, and we'd love to help you work through those. So um, however you can find a way to interact with us, do that, and we'd be happy to help you get through this coronacation and prep for the woods um, for this fall. So until the next one, guys, I'm Joe Shimonic. Um Train, hunt, and live your best life possible. Jeremy Day, man, thanks a lot, buddy. Thank you, brother. God bless America. Get after it, folks. Very cool. Let me hit record. I'm going to...